I'm Matt Bergman, and you are listening to or watching the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 151. I'm here tonight with Alex Miller. Yo. Rachel Bussell. Hello. Dave Gregg. Here. And the triumphant return of Big ETH. Thanks for having me back. Dude, it's, it's great to have you back, dude. It's been a while. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm excited, man. So, um... Topic number one of, of the week would probably have to be um, Trump and uh, his uh, his comments on gun control. You know, his wasn't he threatening to confiscate and then uh, due process uh, after that, like second? Yeah, he take he, the guns first, due process second. Yeah, like even even even. What the fuck <laughs> am I saying? So, Ethan, do you think this is some sort of like forty chess still or? Uh, well, I mean, I, I do, I do have the, thanks, sweet cheeks. Um, I, I do have the distinguished honor of being the resident, uh, Trump apologist. Um, so I, I will say just as devil's advocate, uh, a couple things on this one, um, is that what he's talking about isn't necessarily incompatible with due process. I mean, due process doesn't necessarily mean, um, that you go through the whole process before you do anything. I mean, obviously, you know, people are arrested and put in jail before their trial. Um, due process just means that you go through the whole process. So what he's talking about is that the taking of the guns should be the first thing in that process. Um, you know, the, and this, this is not unprecedented, uh, at least specifically in terms of guns. Um, yeah, but I mean, for example, I mean, in Maryland, but, but dude, aren't you supposed to do like the due process before you confiscate the guns? Well, before before they'd be removed permanently, but Dude, the, are, the idea are you is, being like a fascist apologist? Well, in your mind, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but no, all, all I'm saying is that due process doesn't mean that you you can't do anything. I mean, it, it doesn't even it doesn't even totally make sense to say that you can't do anything until you go through the whole process. Well, what he's saying is that the process in this framework of due process is that step one is you remove the guns, and then step two is you. You know, go in before a court or whatever, like the whole the whole process is. Um, so, for example, here in Maryland, we have a law um, where if there's any sort of like domestic violence allegation or charge or anything like that, the first thing they do is they remove the guns. Um, now, I'm not saying I condone this or I advocate this. I don't. I think it's a very slippery slope, at the very least, um, and it's ripe for abuse. And I think that it is abused here in Maryland. You know, a, a woman can say, "Oh, my husband." Make up, she could potentially make up a story like, oh, my husband hit me, um, and then all his guns are taken away before any sort of hearing, much less trial, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's what Trump's talking about. Um, and also, he is talking about specifically in these limited circumstances. He's not saying we're going to go confiscate every single gun in the United States and then we'll have trials for every single person or whatever. He's talking about these limited cases where there's questions of mental health, instability, potential for violence. Um, and again, I'm not saying this, that I think it's a good policy. I'm just saying that I think we should be, uh, careful in understanding what exactly it is that he's talking about. Yeah. Cause I was wondering about the, the context of the, you know, when you take it first, cause you know, as you're saying, obviously right now it's pretty standard that, Hey, when, um, there's, um, uh, a, a, an assault or a domestic assault or something like that. I mean, even hell, when I went through concealed carry courses um, when I was living in Texas and concealed carried, I mean, they made it known. It's like, hey, if you shoot someone, even in com 
complete self-defense, just know that you will be arrested that night. Like, that's just kind of how it works. And then, you know, things get settled and, hey, it's self-defense. Like, you'll probably go home well, that yeah, night. Yeah, because they have to figure it out. They, you know, they have to yeah. look at all the evidence and make sure, okay, you're not lying. You actually right. did this in self-defense. You weren't murdering someone. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what is the context? Like, what? So that's already there. So when Trump says that, what does he mean, like, above and beyond that, you know, hey, you know, t t take it first and then go through a due process. Yeah. It, it, it sounded just strange to me. So I'm just wondering if anyone knows specifically the context he's he's talking about here. Well, and I have to confess, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think you raise an excellent point. I think that's potentially even a better example uh, than the domestic violence one that I brought up. Um, but yeah, that, that that's the question. You know, I don't think even the most hardcore you know, and caps of us would argue that, like, yeah, there are certain circumstances where if a person seems completely unhinged, even if they haven't necessarily uh, committed a violent crime yet, there are certain circumstances where we might think, mm, it's probably best that this guy doesn't have a gun yet, you know, uh, right now. Um, so that, that, that is the, the $64 question, is what are these circumstances which he's saying, hey, we should take the guns first and then, you know, act later. You know, and maybe the threshold is, you know, making deliberate uh, violent threats or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, like, isn't isn't a part of like being in a, a free country like due process though? Yeah, but we already went over how what we're talking about isn't necessarily a violation of due process because you know, and and again, this is all within a legal framework, which I understand is not necessarily applicable in all the same ways to Ankapistan. But with what we have today, it's not necessarily, um, and I emphasize, not necessarily a violation of due process to perform some actions first like if you shoot somebody they're going to arrest you and put you in handcuffs first you know the same way like detainment is not a violation of due process because they'll detain you then figure out what's going on and then release you if there's nothing untoward or illegal going on so you know this this instance of like step one being take the guns if certain criteria are met like you made violent threats or you're displaying totally unhinged behavior whatever it is um, is not necessarily a violation of due process rights. Right. He did backpedal on what he said, though. And he was like, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment and strong due process. So he, he got, he, he was kind of making remarks like, just take the guns first and worry about it later or something like That's that. That's interesting because like, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear uh, anything about the backpedaling. I just read yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, I'm just, yeah, it's no, interesting. He, I, I didn't hear anything. He like said it as a remark and he suggested, he didn't like directly say something, but he suggested just take take it all away. Take, take Just take the guns from people, which it, it doesn't really yeah. work with the rest of what the country is about. I mean, uh, some conservative guy did an interview in Texas with this kid and he was asking him questions about the second amendment and if he knew and you know like if he knew the statistics of gun laws and this kid just didn't know anything he he it was amazing at how he wasn't aware of self-defense and that guns are the self-defense the lives that guns save versus the lives that they take it's it's exponential like it, the guns save three million lives every year and that's just that's an estimate of those who haven't come forward you know instances of that nature and the kid was like yeah but still we have to we have to worry about the lives that are taken 
and not. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, that, 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 that goes back to like, you know, Bastiat and Hazlitt, like the, the art of economics is what is seen and what is unseen. And that's mm-hmm. exactly, you know, the way we look at the whole gun control debate is like, okay, yes, X number of lives are murdered with AR-15s in a given year, but how many lives are prevented from being murdered, assaulted, raped or whatever every year? And, and I'm glad you bring that up because that's one of my one of the things I like to bring up on the rare occasion that I will you know, do a, a brief Facebook debate with the leftists on gun control. I mean, I've, I've mostly given up, but every once in a while, I just can't help myself. Um, but I'll point to, as you're talking about, there are many studies done on what are called DGUs, defensive gun uses, mm. um, in which case the vast majority of DGUs, a shot is not fired. It's merely the presence of a gun the or, presence, the, or yes. presenting a gun. Um, and the estimates range widely for a variety of reasons. It's hard to really pin down a very accurate estimate. They range up to, I think, $3 million is pro- a year is probably on the higher end. I want to say, like, the higher end that I've seen is, you know, as much as, like, two, two and a half, three million. Um, but what, what I like to bring up is that uh, a couple years ago, I want to say this was, like, 2014 after Sandy Hook or something, um, Obama uh, commissioned or, or ordered the CDC to perform um, a study on defensive gun uses. And even the CDC, you know, again, under Obama, this is Obama's administration, their report said, yeah, we can't really pin it down, um, but, you know, the lowest estimate of a couple hundred thousand a year seems pretty, you know, that is the lower bound of what we can estimate, and it may be higher than that. Yeah. So, okay, so, you know, they talk about, about 30,000 gun deaths a year, of course, two-thirds of those are suicides that's why they say gun deaths I, it, that um, that pisses me off the most with yeah. the gun oh, yeah. stats it's, is they do not separate them based off of murders or gang violence or you know it's just all oh, the gun deaths no, well half the people killed themselves or even what's considered you know justified with like you know police shootings you know yeah, yeah or, or civilian oh, yeah absolutely <laughs> it's, it's completely disingenuous so like the actual gun murder rate is uh, something like 5,000 or less a year something like that um, but again, like, okay, so 5,000 people are murdered a year. At least 300,000 up to a couple million are saved. Are saved. <laughs> now, not necessarily saved from murder, but saved from all sorts of violent crime, like, sure. uh, like Assault, violent rape, beatings, yeah. uh, rape, and, you know, uh, theft, Robbery, invasions. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just completely disingenuous and, and just really, I think, just shows just how, uh, irrational and emotionally driven um you know the anti-gun arguments are when like they won't even entertain these various obvious statistics which as i just pointed out even obama's own cdc under his own direction said yeah it's at least at bare minimum several hundred thousand a year which is literally orders of magnitude yeah greater than the problem that they're attempting uh to fix um yeah they're looking at a very small number and and the the funny thing is the most of the gun control advocates or the people who are like well we at least have to talk about the guns in the mur- mass murders it, okay what about knife mass murders what about all the other mass murders that happen without the use of a gun yeah but we're talking about gun violence okay you're you're ignoring the other violence so is gun violence just because it has a gun much more important than all the other types of murders that are out there it's murder murder is murder yeah don't take away my right to self-defense yeah and that that's a pet peeve oh, of mine the way they just torture the statistics and they'll slice these statistics down to like oh but in cases where there was a mass murder committed by a rifle in a public place blah blah it's like yeah. you know uh uh 80 uh, of them were committed with an ar-15 it's like okay but now you're talking about like 50 people over a course of several years like 
I'm not saying it wasn't a tragedy. I'm not saying those lives don't matter. But statistically, that's completely insignificant. And what's more, it's like, yes, it is awful that 17 high school kids were murdered, you know, in one shooting. But, like, that's just called a weekend in Chicago. Like, why is the fact that it happened all in this one isolated incident somehow more significant than the fact that think of the children, hundreds Ethan. or think thousands of, of times children. of this are, are committed... <laughs> Uh, all the time it's like oh well if you, as long as you spread it out over the course of a weekend and across several square miles of a city then it's not a big deal or like baltimore what? where two to three murders happen a day sometimes yeah. you know yeah i mean the the if you really want to piss them off if you really want to piss them off you'll just tell them oh we have co- confirmation audio is working that's good okay uh but yeah, but, but if, if you really want to piss them off just tell them like oh well you only care because there's a bunch of white kids in high school as opposed to a bunch of black kids on a street corner you know of course that'll send their brain into some sort of uh, uh recursive does not compute you know insanity hey real quick for the audience uh are we still breaking up or are we coming through okay now oh we do have live comments yeah yeah, just the last minute said we've been breaking up. Oh, mm. yeah, I see it. Yeah, so yeah, the so, video sorry, shouldn't should be okay, but yeah, I, I didn't even think we were gonna, we were going to be able to go live tonight because I haven't had internet um, for like the past like five hours or something. So, but uh, Ethan came over and he was able to rig up something with his phone. Yeah, we're we're tethering via Verizon LTE, so. How, how many everybody. bars do you have on your phone right now? I uh, still got two bars. Two, two bars. Four. Two bars. Uh, that should work. You know. Everyone's yeah. stopping watching it because it's not. Yeah. Well, what oh, can wait. you do? Hi, someone joined. Yeah. So it, it's up to you guys. Do you think we should uh, just get off here and just just uh, start over and just record the audio of this and release it tomorrow, or should we keep going live on Facebook? Because yeah. this, oh, this, this, this is what I'm getting on my phone. Can you hear it? Yeah, that sounds fine. Okay. That's weird. I mean, it's better than nothing. I mean, we still have yeah. the recording, right? Yeah, so I, I think our, our audio is working well enough. Maybe just our video that's running slow. So, yeah. Okay. So, that was a big waste of time to talk about. Okay. So, I, I, I do want to throw out uh, just the, the quick 4D chess narrative, since I know you're all dying to hear it. Um, but I, I think this is a good one, and there, there may be some truth to it, which is that... Um, Trump, of course, you know, he's coming off as very, like, anti-gun and not very pro-Second Amendment and all that. The 4D chess narrative is that he's trying to get some bills together that are so overloaded with anti-gun stuff uh, that they have absolutely no chance of passing. And that gives him the cover of, hey, well, look, I tried. I, you know, took all these different ideas. I said, let's, <laughs> let's try to pass a bill. And they just overload it with so much anti-gun nonsense that it has absolutely no legislative chance of ever passing. What? So he, he gets some cover and, you know, no anti-gun stuff happens. So Dude, that's the 4D chess narrative. I don't know if that's really what's going on in his mind. Nobody really does. But it seems plausible to me. So, again, as the resident Trump apologist, um, that, that is the 4D chess narrative. Wow, dude. Yeah, like, I, you're kind of blowing my mind because I've never heard that explanation for this. I mean, it's just a theory, but it yeah. seems like a pretty reasonable theory. You know, I mean, that's a strategy yeah, that's certainly been done before. They're saying it's not working. Sounds to me like he was just shooting from the hip the entire time. But, I mean, yeah, I haven't heard that before either, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, can, can we record and broadcast live, or is it like an either or? It's, it's, I, I forgot to hit, um, <laughs> I forgot to hit uh, audio record. Well, so we could just start over and just do a, a straight up podcast. Why don't you just start recording now and we'll leave the live running and 
Alright. I mean, as long as the broadcasting doesn't come at the expense of recording, then... Well, I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah, they can, they can listen to it later. Somebody give me a fact. I want to spit one out there. Let me get one of your facts. Yeah, I want to say what you said about Trump. What if we do it over again? Let's do that. Yeah. Are, are, are we going to uh, do that? Are we going to go over... I, I think we're just going to keep going with it. Just going to keep going? Okay, then I never said that. <laughs> what was that? It's coming through really clear on mine. I haven't yeah. heard anything. Yeah, did we it. did we break the fourth wall there? Is that what it's called? <laughs> I think um, we're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, you know, up, up until now, I mean, Trump has certainly been very pro Second Amendment. I mean, he actually was um, sort of tacitly backing uh, the Hearing Protection Act, which would you know remove uh, silencers or suppressors. Uh, from the NFA, which would have been a huge win uh, for gun owners. And it was actually gaining traction. It left committee um, in a larger omnibus bill uh, in Congress right before uh, the Vegas shooting happened. And, of course, it sort of has fallen by the wayside since uh, Vegas happened. Um, but, I mean, it would be unthinkable to me before to think of a president that would actually support something like removing suppressors from the NFA, basically making them as easy to get as any other gun. Um, so, you know, I'm not ready to throw in the towel and say, oh, Trump isn't actually pro-Second Amendment. Um, I tend to believe the, uh, the 4D chess narrative. I mean, and the fact is, you know, Trump has to throw some smoke to, <laughs> to, to get, you know, the media to lay off of him on this. And if he has to throw him a bone to make it look like he's, you know, uh, not necessarily capitulating, but, you know, that he's willing to work with them. Um, you know, politics is all games and stupid games like this, and he does seem to be a master of playing these stupid games, and so um, it seems plausible to me that that's what's going on. So, you know, I, as a very strong Second Amendment supporter, um, am not too concerned about any of this. Well, I mean, you didn't get it all triggered when Trump was, like, uh, calling to ban bum socks, like, right away? Yeah, that... That I'm skeptical of. Now, the The analysis I've seen of that is that he can't, there's not really any way to do that anyway. I mean, you'd have to get a law passed in order for that to happen because the ATF has already gone over this and they have no legal authority to do that. The ATF, you know, has been asked to look into, like, can we just regulate these? And the ATF said, no, like, the law does not allow us to, to do this. Um, and believe me, the ATF, if they thought there was any way they could twist the law into giving them the authority to do it, they probably would. Yeah, well, you know, so, like, like I think every shooter that I know, when I'm, I'm talking to them uh, personally? about a bump, yeah, uh, about, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm talking to them about a bump stock, it's everybody just thinks it's a dumb idea. Like, I, 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 mean, I've, I've, I haven't talked to anybody who's like, oh, yeah, I've got one of those in my gun. Fuck yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Um, accuracy is very difficult. I had to... Uh, uh, a semi-automatic rifle um, that a, a few years ago um, had an issue and I tried to do some gunsmithing myself and I found that the disconnector wasn't quite catching the uh, the hammer. I believe that's the correct technical term. It's been a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so if I pulled the trigger lightly, it was those tolerances weren't tight enough and it was missing, um, the disconnector was missing the, uh, the hammer. So if I pulled the trigger lightly, um, b a bump stock basically f firing was taking place and I couldn't hit anything so no I yeah I mean t technically that is different than a bump stock um, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about well, and it's yeah, performing you are the same the mechanical thing like it's it Technically, this it is not a machine gun functionality. It's uh, technically, actually, that is going into full auto. Um, 
in the most strict technical sense. The reason why bump, why bump stocks are legal is because it does technically require multiple pulls of the trigger. You're talking about one pull of the trigger where it lets two rounds go. Well, no, no, no. But, and I, now, because I, I've said this live, now I, I have to defend myself probably for legal matters. Well, uh, well, no, technically it actually is not because there's a way that you can achieve uh, b- b- um, the kind of bump firing where you hold the rifle... Um, like to your side and really grip it with your non-dominant hand mm-hmm. with your trigger finger you just pull you um, uh, you pull back and with your left hand or your non-dominant hand you pull you're pushing the rifle uh, forward and with your trigger finger you're just pulling back and what's happening is when you fire once the recoil of the rifle will push the whole gun back and because you're applying force with your non-dominant hand pushing it forward, it's going back and forth real yeah. quick. So the mechanical process, it's hitting, it's letting the uh, the hammer go. Um, uh, anyway, to, well, the the the, re- the recoil mm-hmm. resets the trigger. Like instead right. of like releasing your trigger finger, you just let the recoil pull the Do trigger away you. from from yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, bump firing. So that's basically what was forever. happening with me, and because the tolerances weren't gotcha. quite tight enough the little bit of recoil whatever unless i was like really holding it like as hard as i can and pulling the trigger fast to make sure it um yeah so that that was what was happening yeah 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 um, atf please don't come to my (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i i I, i'm pretty sure there is precedent that even if you do like accidentally like file the disconnector down too low like if it's not deliberate like i wouldn't be worried (laughs) they're not gonna raid your house but uh, but either way, the, the the point being that uh, the ATF has no uh, authority to to regulate these things. The president has no authority to just rewrite the law like that. So, you know, I'm tempted to believe that that was sort of under the same category of, oh, I'll just say some shit to get some people off my back, knowing full well that nothing's ever going to actually happen. Um, you know, again, I, so. I don't know what's what's in his mind, but that seems like the most likely explanation. Because um, again, th- this is a road that the ATF has been down before. And the ATF has absolutely had a history of bending and stretching every single law to give them as much regulatory power as imaginable. Yeah, I was going to say they so, they don't technically have the authority, but they'll they'll do it. it. And that's kind of the scary part of gun regulation is they don't they shouldn't have the authority, but they they do in the end. And they're going to change certain things to please the public eye that knows nothing about guns. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the danger with with anything. Um, But supposedly my understanding is that even in this instance, even the ATF said in their own opinion they don't even have the authority to do this, which is is surprising (laughs) to hear from the ATF for once. Um, But um, uh, so that's that. But yeah, hearing hearing him talk about that and and, and the the bomb stocks, yeah, they are gimmicky. I don't really care about them. They're kind of stupid, but... It's the slippery slope thing. As soon as you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. That's been the history of gun control f- for the last hundred years. And so yeah, I, I, well, yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm not tempted to give any of them uh, in any regulatory agency, you know, one inch at all on anything. So yeah, agreed. But I mean, going back to the slippery slope thing, I think part of it is just kind of the sentiments that I've heard, you know, coming out um, from Trump this week, and this kind of leads to our topic number two you know trump president for life you know when he's saying things like oh you know take the guns first uh due process second or hey uh president for life yeah maybe america sh- could or should have that at some point hey it's working great whatever for china um 
You know, those, uh, and with, you know, the whole, um, they're expanding the, you know, asset forfeiture with uh, Jeff Sessions and expanding the drug war. You know, things do have the possibility to to get bad. And this isn't a Trump thing. It's not an Obama thing. It's really an executive thing. Like, you know, if you look history, like things can get pretty bad. So I think just hearing the sentiments, even though I hope you're right in terms of the actual implementation, maybe we don't have too much to worry about right at this point. Just the, the sentiments coming out. Like, I don't know, that's when my spidey sense, slippery slope stuff, you know, comes up as well. So, yeah, no, and I, I think that is a valid point of valid criticism. It's like, OK, maybe he's not serious, but now he's set a precedent for the next guy can come along and maybe he is serious. Yeah. And, you know, people aren't going to be, you know, so ready to call him out on it. So I, I don't have any problem with calling, you know, people calling out Trump on these comments. Well, I'm just saying that I'm not personally that concerned but yeah well, I, mean, I mean by all means call them out i'm, well, I'm all for that dude big Eath, haven't you seen like people on facebook post like i'm a conservative and i believe in the second amendment but like have you, have, haven't you seen a, a lot of those posts right i think most of those people are lying and full of shit i know for a fact that a I lot think, of them I, are well or, or, or you just see the post like I believe in the Second Amendment, but, you know, and yeah, I, I do think oh, some of those people might be lying. <laughs> no, I, 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 I guarantee you a lot of them are. They're like, oh, well, you know, I grew up uh, around hunting rifles and this and that, and I'm very pro Second Amendment, but, um, you know, to me, that sounds like that, that must be like what it sounds like to black people when a white guy says, well, I have some great black friends, but like, <laughs> every everything like, before but is bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it, it's common like, law when you say blah, 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 blah. But everything you just said is a lie. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not necessarily always a lie and disingenuous, but it makes me highly skeptical um, <laughs> for, I, I think, good reason. Um, you know, like like the guy, the guy. Um, I don't know if you guys have covered this before. The guy that cut his AR-15 with a uh, circular saw on camera. Oh yeah, and like he he has like a Second Amendment tattoo on his arm or something. It's like I don't know. I want to see how fresh that ink is because I don't think that this guy's like a hardcore Second Amendment guy. Because well, what kind of retard? It's a temporary that, tattoo. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. It's like like an iron-on or something. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, what kind of idiot thinks that like destroying their own gun is going to? It's like like, okay, if well, you're that concerned, like, just buy, like, a safe or something. Like, what? So the funny thing about that video... Um, and he did commit a federal offense by doing it. I, I was I was just about to get to that. Yeah. So he didn't actually render his gun inoperable. He just cut the barrel, like, right up to the upper or something like that. Yeah, he, so, he just cut the barrel down. He created an SBR, which is punishable right. up to 10 years in jail. And, in fact, that's the exact same thing that happened uh, that, that, was, that instigated Ruby Ridge. Yeah, because uh, the sawed-off shotgun. Yeah, exactly. So, what does SBR stand for? Uh, short-barreled rifle. Yeah. So a rifle has to have an overall length of at least 16. 26 inches and a barrel length of at least 16 yeah. inches. Yeah. So I, I just got a kick out of that. I was like, Because I looked close, and then, sure enough, I saw the people commenting. It's like... Oh, he didn't render it inoperable. He just cut the barrel short, and he did on live TV, which I don't want him to go to jail for that. I just find it a bit ironic, given what his uh, message, his political message was. and That what. almost seems intentional, because have you seen the memes where people are like, I've destroyed my gun for, you know, the, the shooting, and it's just taken apart for cleaning and... <laughs> yeah, they've got these the guys that turn their guns in. They, I've seen one guy that turned his AR-15 into like a local police station. Says, you know, I don't want it. I don't need it anymore. Gave him all his magazines, all that stuff. 
I mean, different people have different reasons, and you know, everyone's going to change their view or opinion. So I can see someone who is so adamant get emotionally drawn to the tragedy that's happened and change their mind. Does it mean it's the right strategy? No, you don't want to make decisions purely based off emotion, and or for other people. Yeah, or for other people exactly. Yeah, but people people like to be emotional about it, and well, nobody's going to get more emotional than you know when they feel like their kids are, are in danger, you know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. In schools. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've heard it like, you know, a lot of people are getting emotional about the whole school shooting thing. Well, it's like, you can't literally can't ask anybody to be any less emotional or nothing's going to make anybody even ever more emotional than like their kids. You know what I mean? So I look at this whole thing and I stand by and I'm quiet about it. Yeah. Well, that's why I, we should probably just end public schools. Yeah, I'm cool. I, I agree, man. Public schools. <laughs> I'm cool. They're messing up so much in general. I mean, why do you think these kids are shooting up the schools anyway? And no one pays attention to them. It's a very prison-like system, if anyone's ever been to a public school. I've been to both. I've, I've actually done all three. I've been to public, private, and I've been homeschooled. So I've had the entire spectrum. And public schools are fucking horrendous. It's just this... You're in the literal animal kingdom where you're fighting for attention. And you, you, I hated, I hated high school. I hated public schools. Where did Always you get hated. the best lunch out of all three? At home. It's <laughs> <laughs> important, right? At home, and I mean, not that like private school was much better in the social aspect of it, but in the private school, my teachers noticed certain things that were going on with me in my life like I had a troubled childhood I was always in pain I was always depressed so the pub the public school teachers took no notice and they fought me and they would make fun of me like I was uh, in freshman year and we were cutting something for science class science class and the teacher made fun of me she was like you cut like a five-year-old I was like um <laughs> what <laughs> gee thanks you're a fucking asshole like it, wow. it, the public school it's so angry and bitter because no one's getting paid properly because there's no free market in the school they're being forced to teach these lessons based off of a school board and if they their students fail they fail as teachers so they fake some of the grades mm-hmm. students fail and oh you get downgraded downgraded you go to detention you're this asshole like there's no freedom in it there's no freedom of learning learning isn't fun anymore and learning should be fun Learning's always fun, if you do it in the proper way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's the epitome of all government programs. You know, like, children are built to learn. Like, that's what, they're just information sponges. And only a government program run by public sector unions, you know, could manage to fuck that up. And, of course, they do. Um, so, I don't think any of us here are surprised by that. Um, no. But I, I do think that that is a really good point. That like you know, we are talking about people's children, and so it's understandable that people get you know uh, very emotional, if not hyper emotional, about that. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're not still doing your own children a disservice by addressing the problem in a hyper emotional manner. Um, you know, in, in this case in particular, just to take a slight tangent, like it's so blatantly obvious that this was a government failure on so many levels. Like this kid was visited by the police. Like the last count I saw was like over, well over 30 times in the last couple of years. There have been multiple calls to both local police Jesus. departments and the FBI from like family members and other people that knew him well saying, yeah, this guy's uh, a school shooter in the making and like all this other stuff. 
Uh, and then even when the shooting happens, they had not one but four cops that were all standing outside. And didn't go in. Yeah, and did nothing. And it's just like, oh my God, there's so much failure on so many levels here that have nothing to do with like gun control per se, or at least none of the measures that are being proposed. Or even mental health on that matter, because this kid's, kid mm-hmm. was reported. Yeah. So, so should they have taken his guns from him at that point? Well, I think that's what Trump was talking about was like, you know, these these instances where like there's so like such clear evidence that there's like some shit going on. Now, the the, the leftist counter argument I see to that is like, oh, well, he didn't do anything illegal at that point. It's like, well, uh, didn't I, the- I don't know about that. You know, I mean, one one. Um, thing that i've been seeing going around right-wing news sites is the fact that there's supposedly a program in place that was uh, developed uh, under the obama administration where it's basically like a public school funding program that was trying to get crime stats down um, among public schools where basically the net effect was that there's a whole bunch of crimes going on that weren't being classified as crimes and kids weren't being arrested because they're trying to defer these infractions in ways that kept them out of the legal system Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, you know, sort of the same thing as like teachers making up grades to get their funding. It was basically the same thing, like in the in terms of the justice system. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why this kid had been like suspended countless times. He had to like apparently there was a rule against him bringing a backpack into the school because they were so afraid of like the weapons he might bring in. Like I think he had been caught with ammo in the school before. I'm not sure about that. I think I heard that somewhere. Um, and yet, so like why? Does yeah, this kid this not a- have a record? Like, this is insane. You know, it's like the, the church shooting in Texas a couple months back. The guy should have been denied. Um, he did have a record of domestic violence and other violent crimes, but the, I guess it was like the Air Force or whatever the, the branch was that he was serving in, didn't transfer that information to the FBI, like for the Nick system properly. Like, they just completely failed on their end. So he should have been denied legally, like he had committed crimes that were crimes that would get him denied, but they just completely failed to follow up on it in the proper way. And, bada bing, bada yeah, and if there's any reason for a government, it's kind of for that to, you know, where the people, it, it, what is it? The It's just supposed to be there for disputes and disagreements and to protect the people. So when the people come to you and say, hey, this guy has issues and he might kill a bunch of us, that's kind of your job. But that's why we're supposed to have guns, because we can't rely on the fucking government, which you all know. And, yeah, well, it's 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 like you know the 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 pro cop meme will be like, oh well, next time just call a crackhead, and so like I now, so one. now the the, the anti cop, <laughs> so now the anti cop, you know, meme. Like, I don't want to say anti cop like a, in a pejorative sense, but like so the responding meme in the context of this the Parkland shooting is now like, okay, well, I guess you know the cops were there and they didn't do shit, so I guess maybe next time I will call a crackhead. Right. Yeah, because there'd be a lot more likely to do something about it than these guys. Well, were. and then like, the left the fuck? tried to utilize him not going in as oh this is what happens when you have a good guy with a gun and it's like are you that's the government that's right. the exact same oh. government that you say should only have guns or they say oh this yep. is why like need to ban the AR15 cuz the AR15 it's it's too it's too powerful it's too dangerous which is is silly yeah i mean it's just <laughs> it's just not true on so many levels and of course you know now they now the thing i see going around is i'm talking about like oh well you know rifle rounds um, you know, because of the velocity, they cause cavitation wounds and this and that, like, which is all true. Like, they are far more devastating than handgun rounds. More than yeah, a but, hollow yeah, point? Like, they're, also, but, they're also not used in nearly as many shootings as handguns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you trying to bring logic and statistics into this? Yes. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Um, 
but again like okay like so i guess that's fairly true but again like you know the leftists will constantly say like oh we're not coming for your hunting guns just the ar-15 it's like do you have any idea how much more powerful a deer gun is than an ar-15 like are you Did kidding you see me the one video of the guy who's explaining assault and he like grabs the um what was it the golf, golf club, club yeah. yeah and he's like now this is an assault club right and, an assault nine iron <laughs> and he shows the difference between the deer hunting rifle and the bullets in yeah. the ar and it's like the deer hunter's like this fucking big and the ar is like yeah but the ar yeah. is what when did it fit in i, I don't two, two, i know three. enough but not huh are you asking what caliber it is yeah yeah, yeah it's a two two three okay yeah or five five six which are virtually identical yeah. Yeah. The whole the whole point of the 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 military adopting the five five six as standard round was because it was far less powerful than the full power rounds they've been using previously. Yeah. So it, it was lighter weight, and it was also the idea of if they wounded soldiers instead of killing them, it would uh, use up more of like the enemy's resources. Yeah, I've heard that before. I'm not sure how true that is, or that's just sort of urban legend. I mean, that's I, an interesting I, I strategy. Some, I think there is some some truth to that. But yeah, like the whole point, like they're called. Like like mid power rounds. Like we used yeah. to use like three oh eights and thirty out sixes, which are actual deer hunting rounds. You know, yeah. the, both of those cartridges are very popular for hunting deer. Um, and believe me, taking a deer down takes a lot more power than taking a, a human down. Um, but you know, that was the whole point of the five five six that it was small and lightweight <laughs> and and less powerful. Yeah, I mean, I I heard the 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 reason that the military switched is so that their troops could carry less weight and more ammunition. That yeah. was yeah, it was a size and weight thing. But yeah, yeah. Well, and of course now the the people on the left will just twist that and say like, oh well, that's why they need to be banned because now they can carry more ammo. It's like, yeah. oh, you can't win. <laughs> so, you can Ethan, what's win your what's your take on fully automatic? Uh, I mean, should that should that be outlawed or? I mean, like like beyond what it is today. Yep. Uh, machine gun in the purest sense um i mean in ankapistan you know i don't believe there should be any restrictions on them um but I, they were in the 80s right is that what happened does anybody know what so happened? so what happens in the 1930s they became highly regulated they're the same now as like short barrel rifles short barrel shotguns and suppressors uh, which basically means you need to get a tax stamp for them. Um, and it generally takes <laughs> between six months and a year to get a tax stamp. Mm -hmm. um, they do like the most thorough background checks in all of federal background checks that are done you know, um, to get a tax stamp. Um, what happened in the 80s was that they passed a law, I think it was in 86, that said uh, no new machine guns can be registered and be given a tax stamp. So it was only machine guns that were produced up until 1986 that are still currently available today to be purchased and transferred. Um, so was there the same kind like of pushback? License, yeah. yeah. Was there the same kind of pushback in the 80s when they did that as there is now over this current gun debate? Um, I I don't think so. That was during like or a was everybody kind of like all right. that was from that was from the 80s stemmed from what they saw as a lot of violence in inner city crack epidemics all the way into the 90s. Like I know that was one strategy that Clinton was big on, like tough on crime to try and win over some other people who might yeah be like the yeah. like the three strikes rule and, and all that stuff. Um, I, I I'm I I can't speak to that. I'm not really that familiar. I I believe sort of in the political sense, what happened was that it was. Um, it was a concession because I was under excuse me under Reagan so my understanding is that it was a concession that was given by the Republicans in exchange for some tax reform 
there, uh, I believe mm-hmm. is, is sort of the political climate in which that was sort of it was t- it was tacked on to like a much larger bill. You um, didn't see a lot of um, political resistance from conservatives in general until Ruby Ridge and Waco. That was when um, um, I think they it started to become more of an issue for them. Um, uh, well, what with the the government murder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that the, that little detail. Yeah, there's a really good book by Balco. Bradley Balco. Yeah, yeah. The Rise of the Warrior Cop, where mm-hmm. um, which I highly recommend everyone read. He doesn't even consider himself a libertarian. The author he considers himself an extreme moderate. You know, kind of, <laughs> you know, for extreme for common sense, I guess. But um, he was just in this book. He talks about um, the the history of the police and how mil- the militarization trends of them. And um, and kind of some of the negative effects in that. And he, yeah, I talked about Waco, Ruby Ridge, and yeah, that was when a lot of conservatives first started to be concerned about, hey, maybe state power can be overreaching, and they started to kind of take up some some of those, con- you those concerns. Think? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> how could how how could you possibly reach such a conclusion? Um, no, no, no. That guy torched his own church. We all know it. You know, it had nothing to do with all the CS gas they were pumping into the building. Yeah, exactly. Lighting flammable canisters in there. Yeah. Nothing to do with any of that. Yeah, well, and, and the woman at Ruby Ridge answering the door with a baby in her hand. I mean, she clearly had it coming. So. Oh, my God. That was so not a baby. That was a hand grenade <laughs> in the shape oh, of God, a baby. I, I shouldn't have laughed. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, think, I think full auto is an interesting question. I mean... I'm not that. Hey, what is the stance? Like, is anybody going to be pushing back and saying, "Hey, not only do we want to keep our AR-15s, but we also want Uzis back in the game," you know? Or I'm not a gun guy, so I'm just like throwing out. Modern I don't really, I don't really hear terms. people. I was going to give you a fist bump. You know, <laughs> <modern warfare>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really hear people pushing for that. I think people. Um, so I mean, there's two things: there's the NFA from the 30s that basically highly regulated machine guns, and then there's the, the 1986 law. I think it was. I want to say gun control act that was actually a 60s law so there's the 30s law and the, the 86 law i've definitely heard people push back on the 86 law saying we should be able to register new machine guns um but i haven't really heard anybody yeah it's been kind of quiet you know it just kind of seemed like is that you know su- are they well the reality is like even full auto like outside of bump stocks like it's just kind of gimmicky it's not very practical like mm. it's for for the average individual it's just not practical even the military now realizes that like full auto has a very limited application and it's basically what's called suppressive fire yeah which like, is, like the, the only US thing military for, typically use like the m4 or the m16 and it's a selective fire weapon and they typically do like a three round burst yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they pretty early on switched, uh, you know, decades ago switched to three round burst only. So they won't even do like full full auto. Now, three three round burst legally does qualify as quote unquote full auto. Um, but yeah, like full auto and the way people think of it, like the military, they don't allow it unless it's being used for suppressive fire, which isn't even meant to like actually hit people. It's just meant to keep their heads down. Like that's the only thing it's good for. Huh. So you know, people people point to Vegas and say, you know, in in, in terms of the bump stock. Um, say so like oh my god he was only able to kill so many people because of the bump stock it's like well i'm not so convinced of that like if he had actually been taking aimed shots maybe he would have hit more people i don't know you know it's not totally clear he probably to me. could have gotten away with it longer if he had been carefully selecting out people in the crowd and because it took them a long time to realize what was going on in the first place even after people had been killed no, that that's that that's a good point. I mean, it's it's a bunch of you know what ifing after the fact, and nobody really knows. But you know the fact that he had you know a bump fire instead of uh, you know just 
pulling off semi-auto shots, you know, rapidly. I don't know that he necessarily caused any more death and, you know, any more casualties than he would have otherwise. Yeah, and, and you know, a bunch of people own bumpire stocks. And this is the first instance that I can remember ever hearing about somebody using one of these in a crime. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing, like, regarding, like, the full auto stuff. Like, at least since the 30s, um, there's been literally, I think, one or two crimes ever committed, <laughs> excuse me, with a full auto gun. And one of them was um, a police officer with his, like, department-issued submachine gun. Really? Yeah. That, that I, was I, definitely I, a Tommy gun, right? Uh, not necessarily. I, I honestly, I, I, I couldn't tell you what the nature of it was, but, like, it's just unbelievably rare. Hmm. Um, because, like, they're just not that practical or useful. Like, they're really just kind of gimmicky for the most part. Hmm. Um, even full auto, not just bump, uh, you know, bump fire. And I will point out, and, and this is something Alex alluded to earlier, you don't need a bump stock to bump fire. It just makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but bump firing is a technique that can be used with any semi-automatic weapon. Yeah, you can look it up on uh, YouTube, people. Yeah, it's... Uh it's not practical, but yeah, you can you can look it up for educational purposes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, it's, it's 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 totally legal, you know. And this is why the ATF says we can't regulate bump stocks because it's not doing anything that anybody can't do with just any old regular semi-auto gun. Now it's a lot harder to do with some semi-autos than others, like a semi-auto pistol. I have seen it done, but like it's really hard to pull off a bump fire with a semi-auto pistol. But um, it's something that can be done, like. It, I don't want to waste too much time on it, but like it's not like some mystical, magical feature or trick or anything. Like it's, it, it's not like Rambo, where you hold the trigger down and everyone in front of you falls down dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more of a waste of ammo, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's a total waste of ammo. Ammo's expensive. It is. Same with firing two guns at once. <laughs> Kimbo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we've beat this to death. Um, I we see have. on the agenda there's an app that I guess you've been working on or you've developed. Yeah, yeah. So I've had a little bit of a personal project I've been working on for the past week and a half. I'm curious to get y'all's feedback on. So it started, this idea started with a really bad experience my wife and I had. Um, oh, and this app is all about dispute resolution and like for anarchists or for anyone who just doesn't want to rely on traditional methods of either using banks or threatening lawsuits or things like that. Um, so yeah, my wife and I had this really terrible experience. Um, it's been going on for a couple of months now where um, we we're going to nix the gym membership and we bought a really nice treadmill. Like, you know, it was several thousand dollars and um, looked it up. This company we bought it from looked legit, all good. And then, you know, I won't go into all the details, but terrible experience. Um, the treadmill didn't get here first then delivered to a wrong place and then it wasn't working and these this company wasn't returning our calls and we're like holy shit did we just like get scammed and anyway and so ended up filing a dispute with our bank and they're saying hey it's this like two or three month process and you know ba basically we're kind of like at the mercy of uh, forces outside of our control it's you know based on we have to trust our bank that they'll do the right thing that they'll look into this to you know to help remedy anyway that's a really shitty situation and it made me think of something I had read from a book that's also been condensed to a short version, little history lesson real quick, called uh, The Not-So-Wild Wild West, where folks on the frontier who didn't have a structured legal apparatus, you know, that they could uh, take their claims and disputes to, um, they had to develop other informal methods. So, 
For example, a common dispute was like property boundary disputes, things like that. And a real common norm that developed um, um, on the frontier was that, hey, the two parties of a dispute, one would get their own judge, the second would get their own judge that they picked and they thought were good and trustworthy. Trustworthy. Then the two, those two judges, those two would have to agree on a third judge. So the two people in the dispute had no say in who this third judge was. It was up to the the uh, two judges that each of them picked. So now there's three judges that will basically, you know, hear the case. And there's no like official rules. It was kind of, you know, whatever seemed to fit, you know, the circumstances. But um, they'd basically hear the case, hear the testimony, evidence. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then there'd be either uh, whichever, if two thirds or three thirds, whichever way they uh, went, um, that was who won, and the other person was who lost. And it was pretty well enforced because this was in an economic climate where you were pretty dependent and reliant on the folks around you for the necessities of life, just because it wasn't an advanced market economy you know you there there were only so many people that you could get uh, either food from or weapons from or grain from or you know water whatever it happened to be or you know wagons whatever so i was like oh okay that's pretty cool it's neat you know the ingenuity of people to come up to find peaceful solutions to solve disputes anyway that wouldn't really work now because if some you know if i get into a dispute with someone there's so many other options out there that you know me boycotting or whatever that's not going to do much but it got me thinking about Ethereum and the whole original idea of having a smart contract. This is a, um, instead of sending a token to someone like a Bitcoin, you send a piece of programming and, that will govern, govern a rules of interaction. So, for example, if I had decided to buy this treadmill in Ethereum, for example, um, we... What I'm building now is an application. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, Casey. It's a long story. I'll get to it. Um, so what I'm building is basically implementing that three-judge procedure into code so that if I'm buying something, say, hey, I have to put something in an escrow. It doesn't go to the owner who's selling it. I put it in an escrow. And then it stays there until I get the goods and I sign off cryptographically and say, okay, all's good. But that still leaves two holes. What if I get the product and then decide, eh, you know what, I'm not gonna sign off on this, not give the guy his money and hope hope I get it back out of escrow. And also what happens if I put this in escrow and the guy never sends his money or sends the, the product. So basically putting in code governing it by code so it cannot be changed these rules so hey either party can file a dispute at any point and then these rules are are take over one person can pick a judge and that will be an ether address someone who has the private key to sign off cryptographically on a vote one way or the other and given how the vote happens between these uh, judges that will release funds from escrow either to the buyer who was trying to buy something or to the owner who was selling something Basically, so you don't have to trust banks to like try and get to the bottom of it and take one, two, three months, you know. Um, it would basically put this three judge thing in rules and you know, I'd have to put like time limits on it and take into like those considerations. But uh, but yeah, anyway, that was kind of the proof of concept I've been building the past week and a half that uh, yeah.
I'm excited about. But anyway, well, that sounds really interesting. I, I'm probably the most ignorant to cryptocurrencies, you know, on this panel. But uh, wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, but th that's one of the most interesting things that, that I heard about early on, you know, uh, as it pertains to Bitcoin or rather the um, blockchain in general was that, you know, the idea is it doesn't have to be currency. It can also be contracts right. and be used for dispute resolution. Um, so I, I find this stuff very fascinating, even if I don't totally understand it, you know, all the mechanics of it. Um, I think that that is um, a big deal. And of course, this is one of like the, the biggest uh, critiques of, of anarcho-capitalism is dispute resolution. Um, and so, you know, the fact that you're taking this new technology and applying it in exactly like, you know, uh, pretty strictly along, you know, most theories I hear from anarcho-capitalists about, you know, how dispute resolution would be handled. Um, I think that's brilliant. And, and also your, your not so wild, wild west uh, anecdote, the right. whole like each party picks one judge each, then those judges pick another one. So now you have three. Um, I think that that's very clever. Um, in and of itself and so now that we can like implement this with technology I, I think that's wildly fascinating do the judges get paid anything for being judges or is it just kind of like an that, that's honor? gonna be level two i have to get the whole multi-signature part of the technology down first um i've built an ethereum app before but i've never done anything with multi-signature and that's kind of a a new challenge like it can be done i just don't know how to do it yet and so i'm figuring out how to implement that but yeah the next level um and this came from a robert heinlein book the moon is a harsh mistress where when they would have disputes the people would you'd have to pay someone for their time to be a judge and then you know you know pick whoever so yeah the next level of um on the on this roadmap is yeah basically judges would have fees and again these fees would be put in the escrow and again would only be released at the end and um, judges could either pick their fees or within a, uh, a certain range dictated by the original outset of the contract. Like uh, if, um, if you're buying a really big ticket item like a car, you might be willing to uh, pay a judge a little more to, if a dispute happens to, you know, to look into it because you want a little more attention versus a treadmill or, you know, so, or a machine gun or you know, something like that. <laughs> so... So yeah, that's uh, that's definitely um, something that I, I want to incorporate as well. Yeah, machine gun dispute resolution. Right, I like yeah. the way that sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's it called? Um, the name um, that I I, I want to call it um, arbitration distributed, but um, I haven't bought the domain name yet. Now so. you got to shorten it, make it sexier. So like call it like Arbdis. <laughs> Arbdis. Ar there you Ar go. Just give me like 10% and you can have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk. Well, you better buy that domain quick now that you put it out there. I know. <laughs> well, I, th I, th I think that's fascinating. And, you know, again, like that's one of the big things, that, like, you know, one of the big critiques you always hear about anarcho-capitalism, you know. This would be something that, that you know, Kyle Wagner <laughs> would bring right. up. would be like, oh, but then, you know, uh, who's going to follow the rules? It's like, well... Dude, like, I don't know how many times we could explain this to you, but, like, here's a practical application right. uh, that makes perfect sense and does, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how far you are, along you are with development, but, you know, soon will exist in the real world as a uh, relatively tangible, dude, actual right. solution. Ethan, yeah. it sounds like you're flexing, dude. It's kind of, it sounds like you're saying, like, you're less of a status than Kyle. I am. <laughs> oh, shit, Kyle. <laughs> oh. Damn, dude. 
I mean, just just because I like 4D chess narratives doesn't mean you know. I mean, there's I I I I, I think that it's to me. I think that it's important to have a a nuanced understanding of the difference between philosophy and politics. You know, there's what the ideal is, and then there's what the reality is. So, you know. Please understand, like, I'm just as anarcho-capitalist as anybody else. I'm just also dealing with the realities that are before us, which is that we're not all moving to Ancapistan next weekend. So, so, um, so topic number four, what is this, Oscar troll? Oh, that's, that's something. It was just a funny thing that I had found. Um, but I'm actually, I'm going to relieve myself real quick. If you guys want to move on to the next one, we can circle back to that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so the next one is, oh, LibertyCon. Does, who here is an expert on Liberty Con? I've gone a few. Have there been oh, any okay. headlines? I, just, I think so, I wanted to ask if anyone had heard anything. Like I know there. Were, all I know is, is John Vibes went yesterday, and it, it sounded like uh, it sounded like it was pretty cool. I heard it was like 150 bucks to get in, though. That, that sounds seems kind of steep. I think that's relatively normal. I don't think it was too much. I think it was around that last year. The last time my wife and I went, we got our tickets early and then somewhat early, and so we. And it's just I think for like, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or. Um, I think we paid for the whole weekend. We didn't go the last day because we had a two-year-old. So, Word. but yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. But, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I I haven't heard any big headlines like the one year with you know Jeffrey Tucker and. Um, Oh, uh, the Richard Spencer incident. I haven't heard anything like that. It's been uh, it's been relatively quiet. Hmm. Yeah. So, what about uh, Bitcoin this week? Uh, was there anything you wanted to say? <laughs> well, uh, dude, Nexus got to shoot up. You know that was pretty cool. That's right. You, you had a good week. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know how good of a week it was because, like, honestly, when. Because you actually like uh, posted on my Facebook. What about that Nexus forty five percent spike? Yeah, and it was like I just woke up that morning. One hundred and forty five. Yeah. Well, at the time yeah. it was a forty five, and then I, and I actually just woke up and I just checked my Facebook notifications first, and then uh, I saw that, and then my first thought was, oh shit, I still want to buy more Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping the price would stay down for a while, you know. So um, it's better than twelve dollars, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got some at $12, and, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, that $12 is going to be a good deal for Nexus. Like, yeah. like I, let's just say this. Okay, if Nexus is $100 in a year from now or two years from now, you're not going to be like, oh, I, I bought it $12. at $12. Ew. Yeah, no. You know, no, you're going to be like, yeah, and I bought that at $12. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The tone changes right. as you exactly. buy crypto at certain prices and yeah so i mean I, I bought nexus first at 350 and i also i bought it again at 12 but um you know and then i bought it at, at a, every price in between and uh you know it when it goes down i'm just like sweet i can buy some more for cheap because i think it's a good idea and i think like like this time next year um once the the satellites have launched i think it's uh, a lot more people are, are, are going to be getting to into launch it this year um I, I believe i thought it was uh 2019 as far as i know so <laughs> <laughs> I like the shorterness. Short Jimmy. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I believe the satellites were launched in 2019. And by the way, we're not professional advice givers. 
Yeah. Except that we are, and you should totally listen to us. No, just, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Don't get a suit. Uh, right. <laughs> if you haven't checked out Bitcoin or looked into Bitcoin by now, that's that's your own fault. That's. Yeah, I mean, are you blaming the victim? Yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Fuck the victim. Oh. <laughs> Gonna go um, my safe space. I no, wa- you know, it, it's funny though because, like, we were talking about Bitcoin. Like the other day, I went to uh, I went to um, a restaurant for lunch, and uh, so I go there. And uh, first, though, I, I went to like the ATM, and I noticed like the bank was closed, and uh, and the ATM said currently not working because I think the the wind blew the door like like broke the door to the bank or whatever. And uh, so, you know, I, I go to my regular lunch spot and I, I actually pay with a card. I normally like to pay with cash just because, like, you know, I, I don't no like that. No one can track like, you. Yeah, I don't like to have any trail of anything. That's just the way I've always been. And you bet. love a pocket full of change. <laughs> <laughs> you love well, quarters. No, I, I, I don't, but I do that. So, yeah, I've got a pocket full of change because, you know, if, if you spend your change, you have more dollars. That's the way I look at it. So, anyways, so like I go there, and the the, the dude at the, the dude at the cash register is like, "Oh, you usually pay uh, cash." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't like anything to be, I don't like to be traced." And then the guy at the cash register told me, he's like, "Yeah, um, he's like, well, I think they want to make a one world currency." And then, <laughs> and then it's it, I. I you could, you better believe they do. Yeah, I mean, no, like, just, there it's are surprising to come do, from yeah. a bank teller to, yeah. to hear that. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't the bank teller. It was, it was a dude at the uh, the sandwich shop. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was the, the dude at the sandwich shop, and I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's um, you know, I, I would rather pay with uh, Bitcoin actually. And he's like, the, but the dude at the shop's like, uh, he he kind of thinks Bitcoin is like kind of like gonna, like he thinks blockchain is going to be that one world currency. I mean, would that be that big of an issue in the end? Well, you know, if it was controlled by a, a government. I mean, if it was yeah. controlled. I mean, but say, for, say, for instance, Bitcoin did, wasn't like it isn't right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, governments will never go for that. I, I think Bitcoin's always going to exist in one way or another. You know, I think Bitcoin would be even more popular um, once there is, if there was like this uh, one world one currency, world. one but world digital crimi- currency, they would criminalize the use of any other currency. Yeah, You'd it, have to work around that. Yeah, once. I mean, but like they would well, try they criminalize, to. Like they try to tax, you know, they want you to every single sale that you do, you know, if you sell something at a yard sale, they want you to report that. And, and nobody fucking reports that shit. Like why? Why would you? They're gonna take more of what they already take every time you buy everything. Tax it when you buy it. Tax it when you sell it. <laughs> yeah. Tax it when you die. Well, uh, Bitcoin's up uh, a little bit this week, huh? It's like uh, what is it like eleven gram right now? Yeah, yeah. Although I um, I transferred um, a, a half of what I had left of what was Bitcoin. Um, I've been reading up on Lightning Network a little bit, trying to make myself a little more familiar because I wasn't. And for someone who, I guess, had as much invest in Bitcoin as I did, I was like, you know, I should probably look into this. And it seems, I, I don't know, it, it's made me kind of scared about the longevity of Bitcoin if they continue to try and go in this uh, Lightning Network direction. So just real quick, um, I, where I'm getting this from, uh, Guy puts in a presentation it's pretty concise um guy has a youtube channel we are all satoshi um 
titles it like Rick Reacts because he, he kind of does updates on a whole bunch of stuff in the crypto space and he Rick Reacts to the Lightning Network. And he basically highlighted four main issues and I'm do this from memory now. Um, one, one of the big issues with Lightning Network, which is this is the direction that Bitcoin Core is going in, by the way, uh, compared to Bitcoin Cash and a lot of the other cryptos. Um, Bitcoin Core is adopting a Lightning Network and one of the big things that, the concerns that... Um, that I have and that Rick had is that to receive a payment, you have to be online, which to me seems a little, a bit counter revolutionary because the whole point, not the whole point, but one of the great things about blockchain is, you know, someone just, all they have to do is send it to you and like the network takes care of it. You know, y you don't have to take action on your behalf to like make sure it gets to you. Um, but for this, it's kind of like how a lot of merchants would op operate today. Like you have to have everything up and running and you better hope nothing crashes or else your business is down or whatever, uh, or you can't accept, you know, accept funds. Like what if someone knocks out like WikiLeaks's servers or something like that, you know, then they couldn't receive the, the funds that kept them alive, you know, for the years anyway. So that was one thing I was like, um, I don't know if that's a deal breaker, but that sounds, again, the word that came to my mind was <laughs> counter-revolutionary. Um, let's see. The One of them was a concern of legal liability of nodes. Basically, when you're forming this network of nodes, instead of sending how Bitcoin used to work and well, how it works now before they're implementing Lightning Network, is that, hey, you have one address, someone has another, you send directly. That's it. You know, peer-to-peer -peer direct. But now it's going through a whole bunch of nodes, and there's some, some worry about legal liability. Um, there's the know your customer laws, things like that. So there's some, some concerns. I've heard that that might not be as big of an issue, but it's still kind of like on the radar, things that make me worried. Um, so I just want to try to understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say the, the legal liability as in like there are current laws regarding transmitting money where like you are potentially responsible like if it's a criminal that's laundering money like you could be legally liable right. for being part of his scheme or if something if you fit the regulatory definition of a custodian of custodianship of someone else's money then yes you are subject to like one of the mm. big um anti-gang and racketeer and laundering is like know, know your customer um laws and oh, there's another acronym that i'm failing at the moment so yeah there's some concern because it's no longer going to be direct it's going to go through other people's channels uh, as a way to like hide fee or lower fees and things like that um there's a whole complicated sophisticated reason for why they think this is the solution why they're implementing it but so a few people started saying well hey what about this legal liability concern that everyone else has to go through when they act as a consodianship for however long of uh, other people's funds. So that's two. Uh, three, it was an issue with routing um, that uh, Lightning Network doesn't actually solve a lot of uh, routing issues that still plague us to this day. And that it technically is just above my head and I've been trying desperately to get answers from people more technical to me. And I talked to someone who had a like a PhD with like in mesh network technology stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, he's pretty correct. Uh, so that's like the most I've got. I, I'm still trying to get more information. Um, and then, fuck, I forgot the fourth. But anyway, so Lightning Network, it, it's made me a little concerned. I'm trying to do more homework too either verif verify and validate this or or not but kind of until i see that it's 
not I, I don't know that until these concerns are alleviated I've, I've kind of been backing off Bitcoin a little bit at least Bitcoin core and, but so. you're, you're still pretty hot on Bitcoin cash though huh yeah I think Bitcoin cash is like somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of my portfolio yeah hmm. so yeah yeah you're how is Bitcoin cash been working out for you because for, for me yeah uh, Bitcoin cash is the only thing like I, I bought way too high. I think I spent like eighty dollars on it, and now it's worth like thirty eight dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, give it a year, mate. We'll see. But um, I, I like it because um, I can with Bitcoin Cash. I can sit here and show someone, hey, I can send this, send you a Bitcoin cash, not a whole one because they're like twelve hundred dollars, but you know, uh, you know, a fraction of one, and it takes minutes. And the fee is pennies. And, you know, that's neat. That was kind of the wonder of um, when you would go and show people, the, you know, the original Bitcoin like and how it worked. It was It's kind of like that magic of how it's supposed to work that um, just isn't really there now with Bitcoin Core, um, at least as of months ago. And the only reason it's kind of half working now is because yeah, the I mean, transaction it- volume is like the less it's at least it's been in years yeah well i mean well that's kind of cool too though because it, it, it seems like i think the reason why the transaction volume has went down is because nobody wants to spend their bitcoin they'd rather spend their shitty money that is certainly possible and then when they start to move any of it and they sell oh my god a, a 30 dollar fee and it's taking hours or longer because uh, that was happening with me like um, for the holidays, I wanted to give some of my family members Bitcoin just because, you know, I talked to them a little bit about it. But, hey, this is the first. Hey, let me facilitate you getting your feet wet in this. And, you know, if I wanted to give a family member like 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever just to get them started off, and it, the fees were like 30 bucks or something like that. And then I was going to, because they didn't have a wallet set up at the time, I was going to do um, a paper wallet. Well, for me to move it onto a paper call it, wallet, like um, – that's 30 bucks right there. And then if they wanted to move it off the paper to put it into a wallet, either on a hard drive or their computer or something, that's another 30. So that was $100 that just went to 40, like, you know, just like that. So uh, I ended up, I, I did, I gave them Bitcoin cash and one person I gave Litecoin. So, um, so yeah, I like those in that they work. <laughs> I mean, just for my uses, maybe Bitcoin Core works perfectly for other folks, but for you know, for me, it uh, no man, I, I it uh, yeah. That, so that's why I, I still like Bitcoin Cash, and I hear like BitPay is adding Bitcoin Cash, and it, it, it adoption. You know, the people who used to like Bitcoin for what it was like, some of them are starting to turn to Bitcoin Cash. So so yeah, yeah. I uh, again, it's a it's a minority of mine, but yeah, yeah. So anybody else have anything to say about crypto? Cool. So yeah, I think that's that's about it for this week. We have a Patreon now. I'm sure we'll we'll post okay, that. Oscar troll. Oh, the Oscar troll. Okay, Ethan. So okay, I'll, I'll make <laughs> okay. this quick. This is a, this is just a funny thing. Really quick, um, dude. It, 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 real quick, I saw. I did notice earlier that we are ordered uh, by facial hair. 
We have going from least to oh, most, from one end to the other. <laughs> oh, dude. It was, it was, wow, that is a cool... It's yeah. it's spontaneous market order. Can I just add to that real quick? You, I've listened to this before, and I've listened to you before, and you have the smooth jazz voice of this program. Oh. Hmm. So I just want you to know that. You know, that's what I think about your voice. That's tonight that's, for Ethan's relationship advice. Yeah, smooth jazz. Wow. That's, I mean, that's what I was going for, so thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, so this is just something I, I saw in Zero Hedge. Um, uh, the title is "Someone is trolling the shit out of the Oscars in Hollywood." Uh, so somebody apparently has been buying uh, uh, billboards, and some of them. I'll just read them off real quick. One of them says, "And the Oscar for biggest pedophile goes to." <laughs> uh, another one reads, "We all knew and still no arrests." Uh, next one says, "Name names on stage or shut the hell up." Okay. Um, and apparently, this says um, it's a statue that's been put on uh, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame ahead of the ceremony. I'm just reading the article here, but it's a statue of Harvey Weinstein wearing a bathrobe, holding an Oscar, and sitting on a casting couch. And it's, it's like life size. Um, so I just Damn, thought that's that, an investment, man. Yeah, I, I just make thought, it a whole statue. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, and it goes to I, I think I mentioned this before we went live. Was a, it reminds me of a funny quote I've seen going around. It's like, oh, I'm so glad that Hollywood has finally taken a break from raping each other to lecture us on gun control. Yeah, <laughs> when all of their movies are out of control, guns. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that they're hypocrites? <gasps> Maybe. You know, just I didn't think John impossible. Wick. One or two was that bad as far as guns. I thought it was pretty tame, as it could have been. I haven't seen. I, it. I haven't seen them. But aren't they supposed to be like like totally insane? That's what they ups? want you to think. They're <laughs> really not. That well, bad. I love it's how silencers in movies do not sound like silencers at all. Right in, in real life, and people are like, "Oh no, it's a silencer." You know, you can still hear that shit. Yeah, no, when, 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 when <laughs> I go, very, very loud. Yeah, it's loud when, enough. When, when, I, when yeah. I go to the range, I see guys using suppressors on on rifles. Like they're still pretty fucking loud. Right. Um, yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't the difference between a silencer and a suppressor. No, they're the same thing. They're just two. Yeah. Dude, I've I've shot the one time I've shot a gun. It was had a silencer or suppressor on it, and it click. That was it. Well, that must have been a twenty two. Little handgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the 22s can be what's called Hollywood quiet. Yeah, um, but that's the only thing. Like any any sort of centerfire round, when they're talking like a nine millimeter, forty five, or rifle rounds, like like, they're still really fucking loud. Three eighty would still be pretty loud. Really? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. I I think three eighties most loads are subsonic, and that that can make a big difference. Um. Because part of the noise is them going supersonic and the supersonic crack or you know sonic boom, uh, that's a lot of the noise and a suppressor can't do anything about that. And that's one of the reasons why twenty twos are so quiet is a they're super low power to begin with and b most twenty two rounds are subsonic. So, so there's our science lesson for the day. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, we've got a, a Patreon now, so we'll post a link for that in the in the comments, so you can help us out there. And, uh, yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties tonight. Uh, Internet's on today. And uh, thanks to Ethan for coming back on again and figuring out uh, 
this uh what is this like a, a router situation that you've done it's, it's called tethering 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 yes asks the man with a flip phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes, i have a flip phone hardy har har and, yeah so we've also got a website uh the daily liberator.com and uh if, if you have something to say we provided a podium for which you to say it so send us articles uh over there we also have t-shirts over at libertariancountry.com so uh, if you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you will receive a 10% discount. And until next time, live free or die. Statism could break with the blood that is shed. Stretching the flies on the tax bombs and bread. Poisons by a few at the expense of the many. Soldiers and gods and death machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, and democracy. You can put freedom in death point in a fine land. You stop what the truth, then bring them home. I believe the jokes will do the best for you. And I believe that we have the power. Have the power. Not aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes absolute!